and welcome to our second episode of Spirit of 67, our Queen's Park Rangers podcast. My name's Robert Warlow, I'm joined here today by our QPR digital club writer, Phil Spencer. Hello. Hello, Phil. And also Ryan O'Donovan, who covers Fulham for our Get West London title. Hello, Rob. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, Phil, um, last week this was a, quite a positive podcast with uh, wins against Wolves and Sheffield United. I think that was um, brought, well, I think QPR brought down back down to earth with a bump, weren't they, on Saturday? Could say that. It's amazing what 90 minutes in football can do, isn't it? But, um, oh, it was... It was a terrible afternoon in Nottingham. Yeah, it was. Um, it, there was. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned last week on the podcast, the, the feeling was really positive. It was coming off the back of the uh, the victories over Wolves and Sheffield United. Where, to be fair to them, uh, QPR played really, really well in those two games, and the work thoroughly deserved. And uh, going into the weekend, obviously QPR have a horrible record up at the City Ground. I think it's eight, eighty-four years um, without a, without a victory up there. And uh, coming off the back of those results, they were thinking, oh well. Maybe this is the time to uh, to go up there and get that result, but um, not to be apparently. So um, yeah, it was Q- QPR started the better in the game. Uh, probably first five five ten minutes or so, they were they were very much on top. But as soon as that first goal went in, um, yeah, the, the team just imploded really. And Nottingham, it was Nottingham Forest all, all day long. After that, they were in control. Uh, the defence looked looked shaky. The midfield, uh, probably for the first time the season, looked looked non-existent as well. And um, yeah, Nottingham Forest really, they probably could have had more, they probably could have had five, six or even seven and it would have been thoroughly deserved as well. Was it such a surprise after those two performances to, to sort of, you know, collapse I suppose in, in that manner? I think it was, it was um, because yeah, QPR have they've lost games this season on, on the road, they haven't been particularly good but they've always managed to, to keep themselves in those games, even even when they have lost, they've, they've always put in a... Uh, a good fight. They've always been fighting right up until the end, and have managed to keep the the scoreline fairly respectable. But um, some, something just changed on Saturday, and uh, they just lost they lost all confidence. Uh, the first goal it did come a, um, come from a, a defensive error, um, and it did just it just seemed to, to shake the team. And um, it was a QPR performance unlike what what I'd seen at any point during this season, and maybe a little bit more of a throwback to, to what they were like last season when they were a little bit more holy in defence. Um. So what is it about the city ground? Why why can't QPR get a result there? I don't. No one knows. Is the uh, <laughs> is the honest answer? Um, yeah, we we spoke to uh, Ian Holloway after the game, and um, he was his his initial response was, "Well, I've, I've got a good record here." So he was kind of thinking, "Oh, well, if I can uh, if, if I can rub off on the players and kind of like change that bit of luck, well, then that will be that will be good." But no, he's um, he's he's kind of going down with the uh, going down with the ship at the city ground. So um, no, no, no one really knows why it. Um, why it, why it went wrong? I don't know whether the eighty-four years of pressure got a hold of the other team. I don't know whether it was the fact that um, he chose a, a largely unchanged lineup again for for the third game in a week. You don't know whether that's taken its toll on them. But um, yeah, it was just um, it was it was a torrid display and probably probably the worst performance that they've put in so far this season. What was his his reaction like after it? What, what did he say? Um, it was just. It was just a game where it, it was what it was. There was no excuses for it. There was there were, there was mistakes being made. Uh, the team were they, were they were second to to every ball on the afternoon, and um, there wasn't really there's not really any excuses that you can give after after that kind of performance. It was it was poor. Obviously, it, was, it comes at the end of a, a busy week, and I think it did just it did just bring everyone back down to earth with a, a bit of a bang. And from my point of view, it was probably it's probably a good time to go into the international break to kind of regroup a little bit from it. 
I mean, often you, you, the people do say that you don't want to dwell on a, a defeat, particularly a heavy one like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have got two weeks to, to sit on that and, you know, hopefully try and respond when they come back. Mm-hmm. I think I think the one thing that works in the favour is the fact that those two positive victories over Wolves and Sheffield United, they, they were only one game before that. So they're not going into the international break on the on the back of a losing run or they, they don't have any kind of weight on the shoulder after having gone in with, it, with a run of bad results. So hopefully they can... Um, go, go into the training ground over over the break and correct the uh, the wrongs that they put in at the city ground and, uh, and bounce back for a, uh, a a busy cluster of fixtures coming up after the break. I was going to say that that, that next period of uh, you know run of games is it's a long slog, isn't it, between now and, and the new year? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no there's no international break for a little while. Obviously, it's. Um, Straight away, when when they go back, they've got they've got the game on Saturday against Aston Villa. They've got Derby on the Tuesday night, and then it's into the West London Derby against Brentford on the uh, on the following Monday. So um, it is it is a busy run. It's starting to get into the Christmas period where the fixtures come thick and fast. And um, I think I think that's when the league table will start to properly take shape after that Christmas period's done. By the time you get through to the middle of January, then you really know what you're what you're up against and what kind of season you're going to be in for. So it's it's really important that they do bounce back for those those games because it's going to be a really crucial time for them bringing Ryan at this point obviously you cover Fulham and Ryan and they're also going into it off the back of a, a poor result and well, actually a poor run really for them but what what do you think when it when international break comes around do you think there's ever a good or a bad time for them um, see international breaks are funny in that they can be the kickstart your team needs with the break in to, to really go on a run or they could do the exact opposite so I know with Fulham the last international break, they went in on the back of three or four wins and they've come back out the other side of it and not won a single game since. So, you know, international breaks can either, if you do it properly, it'll, it can could, it could make, you know, the next period of games, it can it could make where you're going to be in the table or, you know, it could absolutely destroy any run of form you've had going in. And I think with QPR at the moment, they're not really, they're in a bit of an inconsistent patch. You know, they win games, they draw games, they lose games. So I don't think the international break is going to have too much too much, you know, thing on them. But I think because they've got a small squad and Holloway likes using he's he's, he's the, the same players, it could give them the rest, you know, to, to recharge their batteries and go again. Were you surprised by the the, the score and the, the performance on Saturday? Uh, I can't say too much about the performance because I didn't really see it. But looking at the goals, you know, you can't defend like that. They were opened up through the middle time and time again and down the flanks. You know, I don't know what Baptiste was doing for some of those goals, but. It's just basic mistakes. The same that Fulham are making. You're not going to get away with them at a championship level. So, you know, it will give William Holloway the chance, this international break, to, to work on those basics. The same with Djukanovic and Fulham. But, yeah, you, you can't be making basic errors like that and expect to come away from a game, especially away from home, with, with any type of result. I, th- I think Forrest did extremely well. I think, they, um, yeah, I think you've got to give some credit for that performance because... To be honest, they, they did a lot of what what QPR do at home. They, they just made things really difficult for um, for, for QPR to play. They, they were getting in the faces in midfield, giving them no time on the ball, and pushing the defence back onto the edge of the area, and ultimately forcing them into those mistakes as well. So they weren't um, that they, they were unforced errors, but they were like forced, in, I suppose, forced into it by the uh, the pressure that Nottingham Forest were uh, were putting on them. And um, then as as QPR were pushing forward. Um, Bidwell and Baptiste, they were trying to, to move forward, and then yeah, they, they, like Ryan said, they, they were getting picked off like on the uh, on the break. They had um, Forrester two extremely quick wingers, and um, yeah, they just um, caught them out time and time again. It was uh, an awful afternoon for, in particular, for like, Baptiste on the flanks. 
in a way though, and I know it sounds it's going to sound very strange, but after those two results, is it almost a reality check for them, and and you know, kind of shows that don't get ahead of yourself too much. I think a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's just you could say it for the championship in general. It just it, it changes so quickly because the games do come so thick and fast. Yeah, you can be on cloud nine on a on a Wednesday morning when you're going for training. We've just beaten the two top teams in the league, and everything's rosy. But then you go up to the uh, City ground and get stomped four 0 So it, it, things do change really quick. But um, I don't I don't think it's a case of they, they shouldn't be too down about it because I think in the championship it's just about don't get too high, don't get too low, and just um, keep it in perspective. Because in in a week things could change if they get results against Villa and Derby, then they're back on back on cloud nine again and back in a back in a good place. So um, yeah, they just, they just need to keep the the head screwed on. Um, take it with a pinch of salt. It was a bad day at the office, so correct what went wrong there, but then then just get the head straight to move on for the next part. Do you think QPR are consistently inconsistent then this season? It's. It, I think it's just a, a balance between home and away, to be honest. I mean, they, they've made Loftus Road uh, just a, an absolute fortress this season. I, I read it on, on Twitter earlier on today. I, I haven't checked out the uh, the stats myself, but on, on current form this season, they'd be... I read that they'd be fourth in the table based on home form, but on the way form they'd be in the relegation zone. So that kind of tells the tale of what's uh, what's going on with that QPR team. I think the the crowd at Loftus Road, we mentioned it last week, they, they do play a huge part in uh, in what they're doing, and um, well, apparently more so than what we than what we realised because that that away run is just going going on and on, and uh, well, the, the next stop's Derby away, and that's going to be a difficult place to try and uh, try and correct that away form as well. I suppose there aren't many easy easy places to go to in the championship, in fairness. But is that becoming a bit of a problem, though, the away form? Um, it, I mean, it is a problem. You, you need to be, if, if you're going, personally, I think if, if you're going to reach up for the other top half of the table, you need to be getting points on the road. Uh, for QPR going into this season, it was no, no one expected them to have a an outstandingly good season. It was just about improving on where they finished last year when they came 18th. And... Ultimately, if you were looking at it, you'd be thinking, right, well, if QPR can just keep a consistent run of home form going, then they're going to be, they're going to be safe and floating around in that mid-table part. So, and that's pretty much what they're, what they're doing so far. So if they can correct that away form and get a few wins, then they can maybe start to look a little bit higher up and look in the, the top half of the table and talk about sustaining a position in that half. But for now, I think what, what they're doing is about right for where they're expected to come this season. I don't think there's anywhere else where they haven't won for 84 years, is there? I don't ready? think so, no. I mean, <laughs> I think that's now, um, that's that's an English record, that now 84 years without a victory in one place. They took it off Grimsby Town, I think it was, who, who previously held the record. So, um, yeah, they're in the record books, not for the good reasons, but um, <laughs> there's, there's always next year, isn't there? <laughs> uh, obviously, they're not playing this weekend, but it's uh, an international break. Uh, there are still a few players involved, though, if I'm right. In yeah, team. yeah. I mean, there's a couple of players away, um, like, Away on international friendlies and stuff, a couple of teams who who haven't qualified for the World Cups. But I think the um, the notable ones are uh, Massimo Luongo, who's going to be away with Australia. Another um, it's all, it's always a worry when Luongo goes away because there's just so much travelling that he has to do. He's um, obviously he's, he's in the World Cup playoffs and they've got he's heading to Honduras for the first leg and flying to Sydney for the second leg and then flying back in time for uh, in time for Aston Villa on the Saturday and he will start against Aston Villa on the Saturday and it's just like how how is he doing that it's unbelievable but um yeah it's, it's always a worry that that jet lag's going to take over with him but um the other one is Connor Washington who's going to be away with Northern Ireland 
Um, they've got they've got Switzerland over two legs, and so um, it'll, be, it'll just be interesting to see whether Northern Ireland can go that one step further and, and qualify for the Euros because they've been they've been really good in qualifying. Connor Washington's been a, an ever present in their in their team, leading the line for them, and uh, it'll be it'll be fantastic for him if he can if he can qualify for the World Cup and, and get that experience for him. I was going to say that obviously the big games for for both of those you know two two sets of matches. Do you think either of them will be there at the World Cup? In terms of the two countries, mm. um, I'd, I'd back Australia. I'd back Australia to uh, to get there, and they've got a they've got a good team. I mean, Massimo Luongo he's he's struggled to to break into that starting eleven, but he's he's consistently in the squad. And I, I spoke to him last week um, about about going away with Australia. And he was he was actually in the World Cup squad four years ago, but he didn't didn't get onto the pitch, didn't play a minute for them. And so he's he's got a real determination not only to qualify, but then force his way into the uh, the starting eleven. So he's got a real mission on his hands to uh, to try and break into that. And as for Connor Washington, I think it's just um, I bet he just couldn't dream of this situation. I think a couple of years ago, if you told him that you're you're two games away from playing in the World Cup finals. Um, he he just he'd have bitten your hand off for it, and especially the fact that he's he is an ever present for Northern Ireland. He's leading the line for them. He was one of the most consistent performers through qualifying as well. He's he's got just a real opportunity to um, to write his name in Northern Ireland folklore. I guess Ryan, it'd be it'd be great for for a club like QPR to have players at the World Cup. Oh yeah, you know any, any club in the Championship will be great to have players in the World Cup because that shows what a good job players are doing for your club, and it gets, it's a showcase of. Of your team, I'm not sure. I agree with Phil on Australia qualifying. You know they've been very hit and miss in the qualifiers this season. You know quite lucky to make it through against Syria. You know with all the problems that are going on in Syria, a team like Australia should really be beating them quite comfortably. So going against Honduras, you know they're not they're not going to want to go away there. It's going to be a tough tie away from home, and they haven't been playing well at home either. So it's going to be tough for Australia. But on the other hand, I think Northern Ireland will make it. I don't think Switzerland are going to fancy going to Windsor Park in Belfast. You know, you say the QPR fans at Loftus Road help the team, while the Northern Irish fans at Windsor Park are the exact same. They're close to the pitch, and those Switzerland players aren't going to know what hit them when they walk out on that pitch. That level of noise. So, yeah, I think I'm more, I back Northern Ireland more than I back Australia. But it'd be great to see them both there with with QPR's players in it. I suppose the flip side to that is if they're at a World Cup. Almost becomes a bit of a shop window, doesn't it? I mean, if they play well, you know, people will be saying, "Oh, can we get them? You know, can we buy those players? Can they, can they play at a higher level?" I mean, is there that fear as well? Um, I, I suppose that the World Cup is it's a shop window, but I think every club's in the same position when it gets to next summer. Every player, um, every team who's got players playing in the World Cup, they are in that that same position. But ultimately, from from QPR's point of view, it can it can only be a positive thing. I mean, they're, they're getting the publicity of their players playing at the World Cup. But in the meantime, they've got two players who are going to be moving heaven and earth to make sure that they're in that squad going to Russia next summer. And so if they're going to do that, they're going to have to put in consistent, consistently good performances for QPR between now and the end of the season. And that, that can only work in QPR's favour. Uh, obviously, as we said, there's no game this week, but we'll quickly turn to off-the-pitch off matters. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any update, Phil, from, from last week with the, the financial fair play and what, what's happened, sort of the fallout from that? Uh, there's, no, there's not really any update, to be honest. I think it's... Um, they, it, it sounds like they knew that the uh, they knew that the decision that came was was likely to be the case, and they, they are appealing that decision. But there's not there's not any foreseeable result coming back from that. They're saying it, it could be months, it could be even like a year or two before they end up hearing back from it. So um, I think it's just very much a case of as you were in terms of matters off the field. Um, 
like I said, they, they did know it was coming, and so I don't think anything will change in terms of their strategy for um, for, for how they're going about things off the field. Um, the next stop for them, I guess, is going into the January transfer window, and it, it will just be much the same as what it was in in the summer. They'll be they'll be looking for high potential signings, people from the lower leagues and from abroad that they can get for a, a, a modest price, and they're trying to develop their uh, their own young players coming through as well, and just very much. Watching the uh, watching the purse strings over the uh, the coming months and years, I think. So, so what do you expect the the players to be doing over these ten days or so now we've got between now and the next game? Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd imagine that they'll they'll maybe a, a few days off. They might have three four days off just to uh, to to relax a little bit and uh, get the uh, the last uh, the last run of games out the uh, out the system. But then after that, it'll be it'll be back down to it. I think Ian Holloway's. Um, his work ethic personally is outstanding and he, he demands exactly the same from his players so it, it'll be no it'll be no holiday um, I, I remember speaking to uh, to Matt Smith um, after the last international break and he said that he prefers it when the games are on because it's easier because he works them so hard during those two weeks in between um, in between the games so now there'll be there'll be a lot of running there'll be a lot of working on tactics obviously coming off the back of a 4-0 defeat I'm sure those errors will be getting drilled into them and making sure that they don't do anything like that again so uh, I can't imagine it's going to be a, a pleasant place for the players over the next couple of weeks, but they'll be putting in the, the hard yards to make sure that um, the, the training ground's a more positive environment to be around after after the game against Aston Villa. I understand that they'll also keep things ticking over with a behind-closed-doors match, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so It sounds like they're going to, going to be having a, a behind-closed-doors friendly with Charlton at Loftus Road on, on Friday. Uh, that, that'll just be an opportunity to um, to keep some of the, uh, the first-team players, um, keep, keep them fit. Um, obviously they've got a, a number of talented youngsters coming through the under 23s as well so it might be the opportunity for, for Ian Holloway to, to cast his eye over some of them see whether any of those are, are ready to make that step up to the first team squad but um, at the same time the under 23s do have a game that same afternoon as well so it'll be interesting to see which players if any he does bring up to the first team squad to, uh, to take a look at because that could be a sign of things to come over the coming weeks I can say that with so many games coming, you, you might, you know, clubs might be looking at under twenty threes to, you know, be on the bench or come in make make appearances as and when you know injuries or suspensions hit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean, one one thing that Ian Holloway has done is he's been very consistent with his with his starting lineup that he's been picking at QPR. He, t- he typically chooses from the same 13, 14 players to choose his eleven from. Um, so going into the Christmas period, that might not be something that he's able to do if he wants to, to keep up the uh, the same intensity of performances of what he's been wanting them to put in. So um, yeah, it might be a case that some of those under-23s get the opportunity to come and prove themselves because it does look like some of the other fringe players in the first team, uh, they, they don't seem to be, I don't know whether trusted is the right word, but he doesn't seem to be willing to put his faith in them from the start. So it might be that some of those youngsters do show the right work ethic and do show the right character to say, do you know what, I'm, I'm here, give me a chance over the Christmas period and I'll, I'll show you what I can do. And what do you think, going, you know, looking at those sort of games that are coming up, what do you think is a, a realistic game for QPR over the net, you know, between now and Christmas? Um, I think they'll, they'll, they'll very much just be wanting to pretty much pick up where pick up where they left off. I think the um based on this season so far, Nottingham Forest was it was a bit of an anomaly. They, they haven't conceded that many goals in a game other than the uh, the League Cup game against against Brentford, which um was also a, a particularly bad day at the office. But they'll they'll just be looking to get back to, to how they do things, keeping things tight on the pitch. 
um, grinding out results at home and hopefully uh, ending that, uh, that away hoodoo that they're still on as well. Um, if, they, if they can get some victories and still be floating around mid-table come January, I think, I think they'll be quite, quite happy with that, to be honest. And is there uh, much rivalry between uh, the, the, the West London clubs at the moment? QPR in the middle of that pack, aren't they? Brentford have uh, moved above them this week. Do you think that that's a, yeah, that play on the minds of the players? Um, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I don't, I don't think... I think all of the clubs have got, they've got their own stuff to be to be getting on with. I think QPR are about where they where they thought they were going to be. I think Brentford are probably about where they thought they were going to be at this point. Fulham have had a, a disappointing season so far, and so I don't think they'll be worrying about uh, about what the other two teams are doing either. Uh, I think for them it'll just be about getting their heads down and trying to get back to winning ways because ultimately they need to be shooting up the table as as quickly as possible because. And I know Ryan was saying that he was predicting Fulham to be top two at the start of the season, and they're a long way off that at the moment. So I think each each club's got their own their own stuff to be to be worrying about, and I don't think that will don't think that will change over the coming weeks. I think it's more of a fan thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, even even at this stage, you know, fans are more likely to say, "Oh, look, we're above you for bragging rights," rather than the clubs caring about where the other clubs are at the moment. I think everyone loves to beat their West London rivals, like when Fulham beat QPR. Last month or whenever it was, I know the club were happy to beat them, but I don't think at this moment in time they care too much where they are in the West London Mini League, if you want. At the end of the season, they probably will look a bit more at it, but I think it's more the fans at the moment that are like, uh, we're above you or uh, look at you down there, struggling type thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I don't think the clubs really care at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. But Brentford are obviously on a good run of form and QPR are going to be having to play them shortly after the international break. So I'm, I'm sure um, a lot of people will be keeping a close eye on them, looking for potential weaknesses to make sure that QPR can, um, I suppose, get one back on them after the uh, the cup defeat uh, at the back end of August. I suppose it, it shows the nature of the championship as well. It changes and fluctuates so often. I mean, look at a couple of weeks ago, Brentford were, were you know just outside the relegation mm-hmm. zone. People were saying, well... Are they struggling now? All of a sudden, they've won three in a row, the nine unbeaten, and they're above full of man QPR. So. That's, that's exactly it. I mean, yeah, bragging rights between the three teams. It, it can change weekly, to be honest. <laughs> any any freak result, it can change the other dynamics of it. So I think I think people know that they might be cheering one second, and then they might be the bottom of the three teams a couple of weeks later. So uh, they just need to keep keep the head screwed on. I think with that. Excellent. Well. As we said, the uh, QPR Brentford rivalry will be renewed in a few weeks' time, and uh, we'll obviously be previewing that soon. But for for now, that's the end of our second Spirit of Sixty Seven uh, podcast. So thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Phil, for joining me, and uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.